You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. Did you know that according to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, that in order to avoid the most catastrophic effects of climate change, that we need to reduce global greenhouse gas emissions 49% this decade and be carbon neutral by 2050? Well, you may be wondering, how do we do that? And one solution is solar. So I'm especially excited to share this interview with you uh, with Creative Energy's co-owner, Scott Kane. Um, The reason I'm excited is because I was actually an intern for Creative Energies back in 2010, where I was fortunate to get to travel all over Idaho, Utah, Wyoming, installing solar panels. Um, so we we catch up on that. We also talk about, um, you know, what is solar for those of you who may be interested in learning more? How does it work? But also the challenges that the industry faces, um, including what's happening right now in South Carolina, but also Utah and Wyoming, where energy utilities are reducing or trying to reduce the amount that they buy solar back from homes and businesses which drastically extends the payback period, making it far less attractive. Um, And then we share some of Creative Energy's success stories, um, such as them being a benefit corporation, but also uh, working to solve the climate crisis uh, by installing solar. So hope you enjoy. This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Emerger Strategies, a sustainable business consultancy whose mission is to solve the climate crisis by helping your business go carbon neutral and zero waste. To learn more, visit EmergerStrategies.com. Before we, before Scott kind of dives in and, and, and tells us a little bit more about himself, um, I'll preface this by saying I was an intern um, for Creative Energies back in, we were talking earlier, I think 2009 or 2010. I'll have to go back and look at that, but um, was, an, was an installer and um, had a blast installing solar panels all over the uh, Wyoming and Utah and um, Idaho. And it's just a, a really, cool experience and uh pretty amazing to like i I went back to jackson a a few years or a couple years ago and um to see some of the projects are there it is really neat to go back and be like oh cool it makes you feel like you were you were part of the solution so um so thanks for that scott but um but anyway that i i digress so scott um I wanted to kind of kick things off and just let you give a uh, an intro of yourself and Creative Energies, and we'll kind of we'll kind of dive in. Uh, that's that's great, Rick. Thanks. This is really cool, and and it's really fun to uh, have our paths. So, you know, you 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 spent some time working with us back in about two thousand and nine, or so, um, and and you've stayed in the sustainability game, but on a very different path, and that that's really fun to really fun to see. Yeah. Uh, since then, you know, our, our business, Creative Energies, uh, 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 has continued on a you know similar path to what we were doing. 10 years ago, but, but maybe with more focus and more, more urgency 
in our work. So, so we are a regional uh, solar power system provider, and and we work in the states of Wyoming, Idaho, and Utah, and and have been doing that for 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 twenty years now. Uh, uh, and and it's changed over those those twenty years. You know, the first ten years that we were in this business, we we were we were uh, trying to fill kind of any need that seemed to to arise as it related to small scale renewable energy systems. We were putting in. We were putting in wind towers. We were we were designing and installing ground source heat pump systems. We were doing uh, solar hot water heating systems. Uh, really, anywhere that there was a need for small scale renewable energy uh, systems, we were doing it. And really, right around the time that you were working with us, and in the couple of years after, it really became clear that that, that photovoltaics, you know, solar electric systems, was the technology that had won the race. It, it was the one that was most effective um, for you know reasonable cost, for long-term operation, for low, low cost of maintenance. Um, uh, uh, photovoltaics is what we decided to focus on right around back when you were working with us. And, and since then, we have been exclusively focused just on building um, grid tie and to a small extent off-grid solar power systems. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think when when I was with y'all, one of, just I'll, I'll just have to mention this, a couple of cool projects that, that come to mind was um, – one of them was Mesa Verde, um, and I wasn't yeah, there for the actual Mesa Verde. Mesa Verde National Park uh, yeah. was, was was our customer, and that was really cool. It was the you know federal government spending money um, uh, to try to reduce their really twofold trying to reduce their uh, their uh, climate change impact. But maybe more importantly, federal government trying to take a leadership role and demonstrate that the technology works. And I think that was money well spent um, yeah. back in, again, like 2009 that we did the, that work. Um, I think that's a great role for the federal government to, to try to be the first in line, show that this stuff works, and then let the private sector and individuals um, gain confidence and, and, and start investing in that technology themselves. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, and that's the so that was a a, a, a memorable project because it was so cool. Because you know the Mesa Verde, I think they were maybe if I if I remember this correctly, um, I was trying to think of some of the stuff before the interview, and I was like going through some old old photos, and um, I was like, oh yeah, because they were the first or maybe not the first, but they took advantage of passive solar design by the way that they had located their dwellings. And it was really neat to be there a couple centuries later and be, in, you know, installing a new technology and, and, and solar to produce their, their energy. So to, I just always thought that was really cool um, to, to, to be part of that project. It was, it was neat. Yes, I I I I I I love that, and and thanks for reminding me. I think there was there, there was a poster or something around saying you know a, a thousand years of solar technology uh, at at Mesa Verde uh, because yeah, all those dwellings were built in the exact same way that we should be building ours right now yeah. with <laughs> with uh, with with uh, 
uh, climate responsiveness in mind. Yeah. You know, oriented to the south, sheltered, you know, by overhangs from the high uh, summer sun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. got a lot to learn. Yeah. So, so, so speaking of a, a little bit to learn, um, to some people, solar may seem daunting or they're, they're, they're maybe don't quite understand it. And I was wondering if you, um, at a very, you know, just basic level could explain kind of just how solar works and how, how the technology, um, helps to, uh, provide renewable energy. I think a lot of people these days are familiar with with uh, with how modern solar power systems work, but but it's good to um, make sure we all do because hopefully it, it's it's becoming increasingly ubiquitous in our country and around the world. And just as you know, we all know how our you know home hot water heater works, or we all know basically how our you know plumbing system works. We all should know how solar works because hopefully it is something that is going to be literally everywhere uh in in um in the, the the decade ahead because it it needs to be needs to from the standpoint of you know if we're really going to to um to succeed in our work to combat climate change um our work on renewable energy development it's got to really accelerate it's got to be everywhere um so so yeah good good chance to talk about how solar works, you know the 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 building main building block, of course, for solar power systems are the you know solar panels. I think everyone's pretty familiar with that. Um, we focus on uh, primarily on rooftop solar, um, or what is often referred to as being uh, uh, distributed generation, um, and this is the the solar power systems that are um, located at the point of energy use. Keep in mind that 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 in modern day solar, I, I actually most solar in the U.S. is not being deployed that way. Most solar is being deployed right now in large utility scale solar plants, which is great also. So really, so, solar these days is really coming in two different flavors. Um, and and again, this is all solar electric systems. These are all you know generating electricity directly through the photovoltaic effect using you know solar panels. Um, but you can really think of it in two different halves. Um, one half is what are essentially solar power plants. Um, they're big these days. Um, they're, they're, yeah. they're increasingly enormous and produce an incredible amount of energy. Um, and, and these uh, utility scale solar plants are being built all over the country. Um, in the early days, it was really just in the desert Southwest that these were being built. But with the cost of solar coming down, yeah, they're being built in Vermont, they're being built in Washington State. It doesn't matter. The economics are still okay, even in less sunny places. So that's happening all over the country. And that actually is where uh, uh, well over half of all solar is being being uh, uh, installed these days. The other part of it, the part of it that we're involved in is this distributed scale solar. And that's, you know, we often re refer to it or think of it as rooftop solar. Uh, but this takes a couple different forms as well. This is going on residential rooftops. It's going on, you know, your local coffee shop. It's going on your, your supermarket roof. Um, a couple of the biggest investors in rooftop solar these days are brands like Target and Walmart. That that are increasingly putting uh, solar power systems on the roofs of their, uh, you know, large commercial facilities because it's 
perfect. We have all this available roof space, particularly on big flat roof buildings. Uh, and it's a perfect place to, to uh, have solar generation. The, the way that this distributed scale solar works um, is, is that it, it's filling the function of reducing energy use at the, at the point of use. Um, okay. the, the, the term of art here is we talk about this kind of solar as being behind the meter. So this is generation, energy generation that's happening at the same location, you know, on the same utility customer service um, uh, where the energy is being used. So that the net result is simply that that utility customer, whether that's a, a home or a, a apartment building or a warehouse, that utility customer is simply winding up buying less energy from the utility company. So that's where the economic incentive comes in uh, by, by offsetting some portion of a user's energy consumption. Um, they're just having to buy less from the utility. So that's where the, 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 the homeowner or the business owner gets your economic benefit instead of um, you know, buying uh, a thousand kilowatt hour of your home. Maybe in the end, you're only buying 400 kilowatt hours per month because your solar power system on your roof is producing 600 kilowatt hours per month. That's the simple math on, on how a net metered solar power system works and gives a financial benefit. Um, clearly, aside from the financial benefit, you, know, you, you can imagine the, the environmental benefit there as well, that for every kilowatt hour of electricity that you don't need to buy from the utility, that also implies that the utility didn't need to generate that kilowatt hour of electricity. So that implies uh, either uh, less fossil fuel, natural gas, or coal being being burned in order to generate that, or perhaps less demand on another resource like a hydro uh, project or a wind farm. Um, it just means less energy being used from that resource, which eventually is going to wind up meaning uh, uh, less conventional fuels need to get burned somewhere in order to meet that need. So that's really, you know, we're... Um, where you get both an economic benefit to the user and uh, uh, environmental benefit um, overall in the system. Yeah, and 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 so one of the things you you, you kind of so thanks for that. Um, and and one of the things that you that you touched on just to kind of put this in I think in in context for for everyone listening is like so why because we know that renewable energy is a climate change solution. So why is that important? So the and the according to the inter intergovernmental panel on climate change right uh, the ipcc um, what they say is that in order to avoid the most catastrophic effects of climate change that we will need to reduce our global emissions by 55 percent this decade in the 2020s by 2030 so how do we do that right you know how, how do you reduce your global emissions? How do we reduce that? Well, it starts with, I think, individuals and businesses deciding that, hey, well, we'd like to reduce our emissions. And I think that, you know, solar is a is a great way to do that um, with a, from what I understand, a very, when, when you include tax incentives and things like that at the 
uh, federal and, and state level. Um, there's a very solid business case for uh, going solar and using renewable energy to not only reduce your operational costs, um, but to also help solve climate change. Uh, yes, I think it's a I think it's a totally appropriate tool toward that end. You know, a, a, as you mentioned, the the you know the IPP IPCC recommendations um they're they're really aggressive. You know, for us uh, for us to meet the the carbon emission reduction uh, uh, requirements, um, uh, we've got to be acting on multiple fronts all at the same time, and and. Over the last decade, especially, um, renewable energy advancement, improvement in technology, reduction in cost has really made um, the transition in the utility sector um, a possibility. Like, like we have everything we need right now to drive down emissions in the, the, the electric generation sector. And, and you may remember from you know, the 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 IPCC recommendations. The, the, the utility sector is the single biggest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. But there's a couple other sectors that are right behind transportation, buildings. Um, so we need to be focusing on all of that. And, and uh, the energy generation sector is the one that I think more than any, like we've got the answer for it right now. We, we don't need to invent anything new. We've got all the tools. And of the tools available, um, solar as well, you know, solar in those two different camps I just mentioned, distributed yep. scale solar and utility scale solar, great. We've got utility scale wind, great. Um, offshore wind, uh, great. Um, we're adding in battery storage as being another needed element to help the utility grid digest all of this intermittent um, renewable generation like we've got all the tools that we need and now it's just a matter of like 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 we just got to go you know the, the 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 starting gun has gone off we've got everything we need now we're now we're just trying to win this race we're trying to trying to deploy rapidly enough to get the job done and hopefully other good people including you know people that you're talking to in this podcast are working on those other sectors as well whether it's transportation building technology agriculture like we got to be doing all that stuff as well but we're focusing here on how solar can be one of the key uh tools that we're applying on reducing the carbon intensity of our energy of our electric generation sector Yep. Yep. And those are, and that's, you know, that's really important. Um, I think too, a, a couple of things that you mentioned is, you know, looking at transportation, like you see it everywhere and based on what I read and, you know, it, that we're about to reinvent transportation and it will, everything will be electric. Um, you know, there will be the electric electrification of the transportation industry. Um, we've got, a, you know, a ways to go on that front, but I think that that's the future. And if you you have transportation powered by renewable energy, that takes care of those two. And then if you have buildings that are energy efficient and have uh, renewable energy powering them, that helps to take care of that. And it's to your point, I think, is that, look, this is absolutely achievable and doable with we don't need to wait on, 
you, you hear a lot about this, or at least I do, in sustainability nerd world of of reading all sorts of stuff. You know, people talk about oh, we're wait, you know, wait till this carbon storage technology comes out to save the day, and um, we may need that at some point later. But we have today, right now, the technology to deploy. And as you said, this is a race against climate. Like we're 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 running out of time, and now is the time to take action and solar is one of the solutions um which is super cool yeah that, that's right and and i mean for keeping in mind like like the focus of your your podcast like i i want us to make it really clear that 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 uh that fish love solar <laughs> right like, like, like there, there is no doubt about it like yeah. like you you people know fish better than i do uh, but i'll tell you this like like the, the 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 future of fish anywhere in the world is much brighter if we get serious about solar yeah so i mean okay back to like some basic climate science stuff here but as 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 you know i know you know rick and i think probably a lot of people do you know Increasing concentration of carbon in the atmosphere results in acidification of oceans. Like, like, like that's like we got we got that pinned down. We understand the the connection between those two. And really, if we think about uh, the the increasing concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere over the last you know hundred years plus that we've been accumulating it there, you know, a lot of that has been absorbed back out of the atmosphere and into the world's oceans. And, and, and that has substantially buffered the rate at which it's, con it's concentrating in the atmosphere. But that's come at terrible cost. You know, if, if uh, you and your friends uh, like coral reefs, um, <laughs> then, then, uh, then things are moving entirely in the wrong direction for you, you know, yep. because increasing acidification of oceans is bleaching coral reefs and and reducing the biodiversity bleaching basically translates to killing um, uh, it's reducing biodiversity uh in 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 what was some of the richest environment on on the planet um, yep. and 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 further you know if the, those of your people that that uh um find joy in in chasing trout in mountain streams um again things are things are moving entirely in the wrong direction for 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 trout you know, trout like ample free-flowing cold streams and and uh climate change is again is moving things in the wrong direction particularly here in the rocky mountains where um snowpack used to last you know Mountain snowpack used to last all the way through the summer and kept streams flowing fully, you know, even through August and into September. Snowpack melts off much faster than it ever used to. The glaciers are smaller. Yeah. Streams all increased forest fires, and suddenly you're moving a lot of the shading um, on the streams. So we've got water that's warming up. Um, streams that used to be perennial are now intermittent. Um, so if, if, if those are the forces, the things that are happening in the world around us, um, we've got a very limited number of tools that are really effective at trying to, uh, 
rapidly reduce the amount of carbon that we're putting into the atmosphere. I think solar is really one of the big, um, not the only one by any means, but it is one of the really effective tools that's available to us right now. Yeah. And, and a, a, just a, a couple of examples that, that I'd like to just point out for what you're talking about. First off, I'm pretty sure we're going to now make a sticker that says trout love solar or fish love solar. Um, <laughs> may, 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 maybe we can do a Creative Energies Sustainable Angler collab on that. Um, I think that's got to be a bumper sticker. But, <laughs> but, um, but some of the things that, you know, like, so you, we talk about climate change and the effects and kind of one of the things that a couple of things came to mind when, when you were talking was to me anyway, was one, the interconnectedness of it all, right? It's not just like it's um, happening in this one little corner of the world. It's happening everywhere and in different ways and in, in some inconsistent ways, but what we are seeing is that you know our oceans are warming um that's changing migratory patterns of fish uh, people are catching snook in charleston now um to give you an example which normally that would you wouldn't uh, a snook wouldn't survive the winter here and they were catching someone called a record snook um right here in charleston harbor within the last month um so that's just one example um another example you know we see sea level rise uh significant sea level rise in charleston um it is every year is another record-breaking year of the number of days that uh charleston floods and the way that they measure that is from the buoy out in the harbor when it reaches a certain height i think it's eight feet um then there will be areas of downtown charleston that are going to flood even if it's not raining like this is sunny day flooding way abnormal uh amount of water being pushed in and you know they don't call us the low country for anything we'll be the ones who are affected by sea level rise first um is is the 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 sea levels continue to rise so i you know and 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 i will i'll add this another example out west that you see is stream closures because water temperatures are higher i think in montana they call it like hoot owl regulation um, where you at, at like 2 p.m. you have to stop trout fishing because the water is too hot. Um, they will not survive the fight um, and you, that's becoming more and more common. So I, I think just it, it it's important to understand that uh, one, I think the urgency of climate action, um, but two, this is not something that it's like some far off Oh, in a hundred years, this is going to happen. It's like, it's happening today. You know, it's happening right now. Um, so just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's, that's great. And, and again, it's, I think the, the argument there is like, it's pressing right now. And if, if people are looking for solutions, how they can be part of, of, you know, changing the trajectory of history. Um, not, not, to, again, not to say that solar is the only answer, but solar is an answer that's available right now. And that most people, whether through their, their own home, through a business they may might run through communities that they're involved in, um, have an opportunity to, to advocate, um, either investing personally or, you know, uh, writing to their legislators or getting involved in their own community. Um, to to uh, encourage the rapid transition from uh, toward renewables. 
So, so you you just said something that is it's happening in South Carolina. I'm curious about what what are some of the obstacles that the solar industry faces as it relates to this transition. Because I know that they're out, I know that they're here in South Carolina. There, there's basically there are, uh, and this is I found this out recently, but. Basically, Dominion Energy is our utility, and they're basically the net metering, meaning that if your solar system is putting more back into the grid than you're using, um, I think that's right. I might be wrong on that, Scott, but um, yeah, that that that, that 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 that's right, and that, and that, that that's a dynamic that that that's going on in lots of parts of the country. Um, uh, uh, th- this this applies to to the the distributed generation, you know, the, the smaller scale um, behind the meter generation that are, that are generally um, operating under this, this structure called net metering. Um, and and uh, historically net metering has been set up where the customer generator gets um, full retail credit for all of the energy that they're producing. Keep in mind that that, that, that energy Kind of has two different pathways. There's energy that you produce. That let's say you're you're it's it's middle of the day in South Carolina right now. You've got solar on your roof and your air conditioning is running. A lot of that energy that you're producing right now is being used right now to reduce your consumption right now. Um, in, in that way, solar is identical to any other energy efficiency measure, or simply identical to you turning off the air conditioning and letting the house be a lot, little hotter. It's identical. Um, and to that extent, um, so that, that part of your energy generation, um, clearly you should be getting full value for it in the same way that you get full value when you switch off the lights and stop using the electricity. Yeah. There's a portion of that energy generation that sometimes is exported back onto the grid. If, if you're producing more than you're using at any one moment in time, that excess generation by some utilities is given a lower value than retail. And it sounds like that's what Dominion is doing right now. Yeah. And I think there's been a little bit of a push behind the scenes um, among utilities to try to reclaim some value on that portion of the, the excess generation. That, that excess generation, you know, if, if you on from your own home rooftop solar, if you're producing some excess, what happens to it? Um, uh, you're putting it back onto the grid. You've got neighbors or you've got a business next door. Um, um, your excess generation is essentially going to just be used by those entities and those entities are gonna get billed by the utility for the energy they use. So the, the utility is getting the value of having energy get produced out at the, the, the far tips of its distribution system, out at the tendrils of the, uh, the, of the grid. So the utility didn't have to generate that energy. It didn't have to transmit it over, over power lines. It didn't have to go through a substation and out through a distribution system. It was already right there and able to serve the, the, uh, the nearby uh, uh, utility customers. Uh, but somehow the, the narrative is that net metering customers are freeloading off of this system. And I think it's really a false narrative, but it's gotten pushed. And, and I think ultimately, 
Um, if you dig far enough, really where the concern probably is, is that net metered customers um, are kind of breaking a monopoly grip on this very simplistic relationship that's existed for a hundred years now, where there is one power company exactly. and each customer is able only to buy their energy from that one monopoly company. Uh, 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 provider. And, and that's been fine for the most part. It's been a great productive system that has served us all really well. But we're shaking it up a little bit where, where that monopoly utility provider now to some extent has a little bit of a competitor um, in the form of, of rooftop solar producers. And I think the utility industry is really uncomfortable with that and is looking for ways to, to push back against it. Um, and 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 I wish they were able to take a longer view and and recognize that in the long haul, we're transit we're transitioning the entire generation system, um, and this is one part of it. It's just that the customers are driving the transition rather than the utilities driving the transition, and and I wish they were able to take take a step back, recognize, hey, we're all in this together. Um, we utilities, hey, we're going to build utility scale solar plants and wind farms. We're going to do that. Exactly. You customers, you guys go ahead and and work on the uh, on the the distributed scale. We're all in this together. Um, but it's not coming across that way. It's it, so that that's it's funny you say that because I, I I've thought about this often. It's like why are they not transitioning to just being energy service providers? And that like clearly the demand. Could their customers want solar? Their customers want renewable energy. I would gladly take, you know, whatever it is, my average monthly payment and say, okay, that's fine. I don't care if you got it for free. If you're going to be maintaining the power lines or whatever, if you're my energy service provider, I will pay you uh, the, the my average monthly utility if I know it's coming from uh, renewable energy and it's and it's no problem. Uh, that that sounds like a wonderful model. Like, yeah, I, I, I think the, I think the problem is that the technology is advancing more rapidly than the regulatory structures. Um, mm. we're, 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 we're we're still using sort of the same um, structure that we've had in place for utilities in terms of like the 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 rate structures and the way utilities are promised certain returns from their regulate regulating agencies. That stuff hasn't really changed, and mm -hmm. and if I mean so, and some of this really has to happen at like the federal government and uh, state government levels, uh, and that's where like to some extent it comes down, down to like voting and politics. If 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 we can get regulators in there that are nimble and willing to look at um, a rapidly changing utility environment, we could get to that point where utilities could be accepting. Um, and fill a role just like you're just describing, where the utility's job is just to make sure people are getting um, safe, reliable, and environmentally responsible energy. Um, yep. And that last piece is not written into the, the rules or the, the, the mandate that our monopoly utilities um, are operating under. Uh, so yeah, a lot of it actually just comes back to sort of a national and state level politics. That's well. It's, it seems like what is what as it relates to anything with with climate, it always comes back to policy and politics and um, changing the way that we do things um, in order to 
to set the stage for for the success of you know for example utility but utilities running on 100% renewable but um but okay so I'm, i am going to shift gears here for 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 just a second cuz we have talked about some of these challenges and i will i will say like today i got i was like reading more into the dominion energy thing and like i was i, I was pretty heated so I've had I've I've had enough uh, of that energy for today, um, pun pun intended. And let's let let us shift into um, sharing some success stories. Um, like for example, a couple couple of things that I'll that I'll that I'll mention, and and you can elaborate however you'd like. But for one, I saw on your website that y'all are a B core. So to me, that's super positive. Um, benefit corporations are you know measuring beyond just economic bottom line but really their their social governance governance and environmental um bottom lines of performance but also that since y'all's inception you've installed 14 megawatts of solar power or maybe it's renewable renewables combined but either way um those are real making a real positive impact. And I just thought maybe we could highlight some of that. Yeah. Thanks. 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 Thanks for bringing that up. Cause we, we do think about that a lot. Um, I, it, it would be easy for, I think for a solar company to say like, Hey, the, the thing that we're doing in the world is valuable and, and virtuous. So, so let's call it good and just, just do that. But but I, th- I think that's missing the point to some extent. I think that the way in which you're doing that work is also really important. And and for for our company, and, and I'll point out really, I think for a lot of regional solar providers, um, the the way in which we do our work is is as important as as the work that we're doing. So yeah, yeah, you, you you mentioned one thing. Um, um, uh, we're, we're a B Corp, um, and just a quick. Quick overview of what that is, because I think the term is not that widely known. So, so the B refers to benefit, uh, and and it, it's essentially a certification structure through which a company can get evaluated in in really all aspects of the way it's conducting its business, um, uh, through a, a, an independent nonprofit certifying body. Uh, B Labs is the the name of the the nonprofit. There, there's about three thousand B Corps operating in the in the U.S. right now. It's all kinds of businesses, and and the 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 structure is that that there's a long list of questions, something like two hundred and forty topics on which a company. Um, gets asked to provide information about the way they do their work, documentation, um, and it relates to you know, employment practices, um, uh, uh, procurement, uh, uh, company governance, all these things get boiled down. And, and, and a company of any kind can earn points through the certification process by, by hopefully by doing the right thing in, in enough of those categories that they achieve a certifying score. Uh, so it's not restricted to, to just one kind of business, really, really a business of any kind could choose to um, pursue this. And, and often when a business decides to try to be certified as a B Corp, they'll, they'll, they'll miss the first time around, but it gives them a structure to look at the way that they're operating their business and, and make improvements 
Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've gone through the certification process a couple times. The first time through, we barely passed, and it's like okay, so 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 that structure now gives us some things that we can work on. We just recertified uh, uh, just in the past year, and we got a much better score this time around. And yet, there's still a lot of questions that we didn't earn any points on. So that gives us more topics that we can keep trying to to improve on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the fact that we're a solar company, yeah, great. You know, we're, we're, we're through our work, through our mission, you know, we're working on trying to address climate change, but we might not be pushing the world forward if we were doing that while employing lousy business practices or treating employees unfairly or um, uh, disposing of our waste in, in irresponsible ways. Yep. Um, yeah, so 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 that so that's been a big push for us, and, and another one, and and again, I think this is not uncommon for solar companies, is that we we have a I think a pretty strong and healthy focus on community and and how we're supporting the communities in which we operate. Uh, um, there are um, solar businesses that are operating at a national scale as well, and and uh, uh, you're probably familiar with a couple of the names. Um, Sunrun, um, yeah. something called that used to be called Solar City, uh, and and that's great. You know they're 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 working at a larger scale, and that's great. And I wish them well. Um, but I do think that this business and probably many other ones might be best served by by companies that are working on sort of the smaller or more regional basis, where they can really gain expertise. Um, in the sort of the specifics of the challenges that face them in that particular, like, like uh, the, the like the physical environment in which they they work. Hey, you know, we work in the Rocky Mountains and work in a lot of high elevation, super snowy locations, and we have expertise spe- specifically on that, or you know, dealing with high winds or dealing with uh, uh, you know large uh, uh, you know ungulates uh you know <laughs> deer and elk you know grazing in and around where we're putting where we're building you know solar ground mass. like we, we, we gain expertise that's specific to our particular region and and i do think that solar as one as a as a field is actually best served by small sort of hyper-focused local companies that are connected with the community that know the local um uh, permitting and regulation requirements in their area. Um, uh, but in particular, I think it's, it's that community involvement. That, that's the piece that really, uh, I think, is, is, is essential. And, and in years ahead, hopefully, you know, any town or city that you pass through, in the same way they've always had, you know, like local plumbing or electrical or heating and cooling contractors, you know, hopefully any community you go through anywhere in the country is going to have its local solar contractor. Yep. Yeah, I think that that is, I definitely think it's the future. I hope that, my hope is that we, um, I like, I just love the race analogy. So if we're, if we're in a race from now to 2030 to have our emissions, then um, let's, uh, let's, let's start seeing solar on, on every rooftop and uh, meet these reduction targets and um, save some of the fish that, that we all love to, to chase with a, with a fly rod or a fishing rod in hand. So um, I think that's a, probably a, a, a pretty positive message to 
to leave with other than I know that there's some members of the Fly Fishing Climate Alliance. Um, they're committed to going carbon neutral uh, by 2030. Part of the, the, the main thing that we're pushing is to actually reduce their, their footprint. Solar is one great way to do it. So we're can uh, Climate Alliance members in Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, or y'all in Colorado? I'm not sure. Um, but we're, but we're, yeah, yeah, we're, 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 we stick with those. Yeah, we, 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 we stick with those three states of, uh, of uh, Utah, Wyoming, and, and Idaho. Uh, okay. And, and uh, 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 we're easy to find if anyone were to go on the web to, to, uh, to CE. He hasn't created energies. CESolar.com. They'd find us. And, and, and I'll extend it further and, and mention that we're part of a, uh, a cooperative of regional solar companies that operate in, in almost all 50 states. And most of these other companies are like us, uh, small, specialized, regional um, solar providers. And the, the name of that cooperative is Amicus Solar. So, so if if you're in um, some other part of the state, uh, part of the country, if you're in Oregon and you're looking to find a solar contractor who is going to be, you know, high quality and focused on your region, if you were to go to amicussolar.com, that's A-M-I-C-U-S-S-O-L-A-R.com, um, you'd be able to find a, a, a small regional. Uh, solar provider in in that area, and most of the members of that network are also B corps, like 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 we are. Uh, That's yeah. super cool. That's awesome. Well, um, well, Scott, I, I appreciate your your time. Um, thank you for for joining us on or joining me um, on the Sustainable Angler. Uh, it was awesome catching up with you, and I have also had some fun um, looking back through some old photos and uh, remembering uh, installing solar all over the, the West, which were definitely fond memories for, for me. Rick, Rick I, think, I think we've got your old tool belt still hanging here in the shop. So anytime <laughs> that you want to uh, uh, get back out here, uh, we, we, we've got a spot in the truck for you. <laughs> well, uh, may take you up on that sometime, but um Thanks for listening to The Sustainable Angler and special thanks to Scott Kane from Creative Energies. Um, also, be on the lookout on the Emerger Strategies website. We will have some Trout Love Solar and Redfish Love Solar stickers available soon, so stay tuned there. And if you like what you're hearing on the show, uh, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. And yeah, really appreciate it and hope you have a great one. Thanks.